Is being a Christian worth it? Is being a passionate Christ follower worth your time? At first, that the answer to that question seems completely obvious to, to Christians, right? The, the obvious answer is, well, of course. But stop and think about this for a second. Is being a Christian worth it? Think of the high CEOs that you know. The high-powered, has money, the corner office, uh, has power and influence in their company. How many of them are Christian? Or think of the Instagram influencer who, as soon as she posts something, everyone soaks it up and everyone loves her, everyone likes her, everyone wants to be her, and yet she doesn't seem to be Christian. As you look down your street and you look at your neighbors, they seem to be carefree, uh, almost like they have no worries in life, and yet you and I are Christians. And we have cares, we have worries, we have anxieties. And yet, they're not a Christian. It is, what is going on? Is it, is it worth being a Christian? Because it seems that the people who put aside the Bible, who have no care for the Bible, it seems like they have everything that we want, that we desire. And it doesn't seem fair. And so is it worth it? Well, let's talk to God about it this morning. That's what we're going to do. We're going to open our hearts and we're going to say, God, it's not fair. It's not fair. And then we're going to let God's word respond. We're going to let him respond through his word and align us with what his truth says. This idea that life isn't fair, that it's not fair, the Christian is getting cheated... Uh, isn't new to you and me. Uh, A man named Asaph wrote a psalm, uh, Psalm 73, uh, back in the Old Testament. And he looked around the world and he said, God, it's not fair. And so let's open up our Bibles. Uh, We're in Psalm 73. We're going to begin with verse 1, and we're just going to walk through the psalm. Here we go. Asaph says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So what did Asaph know from growing up? He knew from his Bible stories, his Bible lessons growing up, uh, that God's good to Israel. God is good to his people. He knew that truth. But what did he see in the world? He didn't see that. He saw the wicked prospering. He saw the arrogant and, and having prosperity and being successful, and yet God's people struggled. And so though he knew the truth, he saw the opposite play out in his life, and the wicked were prospering. What did they have that Asaph wanted? He goes on to say, They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. 
Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, How would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, uh, always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. What does Asaph see? The wicked prospering. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from the common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. They go on amassing wealth and they have no cares. They're carefree. And he says it's not fair. This seems like a psalm that could have been written today, doesn't it? It seems like a Christian wrote this today. And if we're honest, it seems like a psalm that you and I could have written. It's not fair. It's not fair. As we look at the world, it's not fair. We don't have, we don't get what we desire, but the ungodly do. The non-Christian does. You've, uh, you got married. And you wanted to have a baby. You've been wanting to have a baby. And you've done it right. You followed God's ways. And yet you can't get pregnant. And yet the 16-year-old who has had premarital sex does. God, it's not fair. You want to be up for the promotion. And you've worked hard and you don't cheat. You don't cut corners. Uh, you do things the ethical, godly way, and yet your co-workers who cheat and do the unethical things, they get the promotion and you don't. God, it's not fair. You want to be able to come to church, and yet because of COVID, you're at home because of health issues. And, and yet the people who are able to go out and live their life, uh, they aren't going to church. God, it's not fair. I want to go to church. And yet I can't because of my health issues. But these people who don't want anything to do with you, they're going around living their life like it's no big deal. God, it's not fair. You look at your neighbor down the street. She's had more kids than you have. And yet she can fit into that dress. God, I want the confidence that that would bring me, and you know that, and I can't have it. You're not allowing it. God, it's not fair. I'm in church more than they are. You read your Bible. You pray every day. And yet your neighbor, who doesn't read or pray, they seem to have not a care in the world. And you're stuck here with all kinds of worries, all kinds of anxieties. God, it's not fair. We look at the people around us and we see the non-Christian and they have what we want. And God, it's not fair. We don't have it and we follow you more than they do. We're, we're in church on a regular basis. How come you're not giving it to me? And envy is a dangerous thing because you know what envy does? Envy starts corroding the contentment of our faith. And not only that, but it starts filling us with some really bad thoughts. 
Because then what happens? All of a sudden, you kind of wish harm on the person that has what you want. For instance, the person who gets the promotion ahead of you, if they end up getting fired, you're kind of happy about it. The, the person who all of a sudden lost a bunch of weight and then puts it back on, a part of you is kind of happy about it. That's what envy does. It, it corrodes contentment and then almost makes us wish harm on other people. But who's our problem really with? It's not them, right? Our problem is with God. God, why do you constantly kick me when I'm down? I'm following you. I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying my best. And why aren't you giving me what I desire? You see, our problem isn't with other people. Our problem is with God. And here's where the problem really comes in. Why is it not fair? Why in our mind is it not fair that God isn't giving us the desires of our heart? Because deep down, we've earned it. We've earned it more than they have. God, I've done my time. God, I've been in church on Sunday morning. I've, as Asaph says, I've kept my hands pure. I've been clean. I've been innocent. And yet apparently, it's been a waste of time because you, God, aren't giving me what I want. That's the envy in our hearts. That's what envy does. There's a story about an 85-year-old man, the patriarch of the family. He's millions and millions of dollars he has. Uh, so much money that he's been taking care of his kids uh, ever since they've been born. And he's taking care of their kids. And now he's taking care of great-grandkids. He writes them each a check every month to cover all their bills. And they come over, they visit uh, Grandpa, they hang out with Grandpa, they have lunch with Grandpa, they talk with Grandpa, they give Grandpa a kiss and then they leave. But Grandpa starts to think the only reason that they come around is because they get money from me. And so what does Grandpa do? He decides one day, he calls a family meeting and he says, everyone, I'm cutting you off. And not only am I cutting you off from your monthly allowance, but I'm cutting you out of my will too. And guess how everyone responded? Anger, bitterness, resentment, and they never talked to Grandpa again. Why? Because they loved the gift more than they loved the giver. They desired the gift more than they loved the giver. And so they put in the time of coming to lunch with grandpa. They put in the time talking to grandpa. They put in the time of, of earning what grandpa has been giving them. And how often don't we bring that mindset into our relationship with God? God, it's not fair. Why is it not fair? Well, because I've put the time in. I've done it. I've kept myself pure. I've kept myself on the straight and narrow. I haven't partied like the other people. I haven't done what the non-Christians do. I've lived for you. And so I deserve the desires of my heart. And if I'm not going to get it, well, maybe 
this has all not been worth it. Maybe I've done this all in vain. And that's where Asaph is at. And that's what Asaph just said in verse 13. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocent. Why in vain? Because God's not giving me what I want. I'm, I clearly haven't earned or received what I think I've earned. But that thought, that thought jars Asaph, Asaph back into reality. Here's what he says. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. What's the difference? Eventually it all ends. It all ends. And then you and I and everyone in the world stands before God. And then everything that they have that we want is gone too. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Asaph says, when I was thinking this way, when I was saying, God, this isn't fair, when I envied what they didn't have and thought to myself, I've kept all this, I've kept myself pure and it was all in vain. He says, I was thinking like a beast, like an animal. That's how I was conducting myself. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who, uh, who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Asaph looks around and he says, there's a lot of things I desire, but earth has nothing I desire besides you, God. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? Huh? We've been talking this whole time of all the things we desire. We desire love. We desire acceptance. We desire companionship. We desire money. We desire a security. We desire health. There's so many things that we desire. How can Asaph say, Earth has nothing I desire besides you? Two reasons. Number one, everything on this earth is going to fail. It's going to come to an end. And so if we are, are trying to fill that desire with earthly things, it's going to be like pouring a glass of water and the, uh, the bottom of the cup has a hole in it and it just drips right out. It's not going to last. And number two, earth has nothing I desire besides you. What if every desire that we have, what if every desire that we have 
is met by God. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. What if the reason that we don't have what the non-Christian has is because God knows that if we had it, we would think that our satisfaction comes from those things instead of God. For instance, we, we want a family. We want friends. We want a spouse. Why? Because we desire companionship. But do you know what every single person on this earth will do to you? They will fail you because they're sinners. They will fail you in some way, shape, or form. And so what if that desire for companionship is really found in God? God, the the companion that will never leave you, will never forsake you. God, the companion that's always there to listen to you, that is with you literally wherever you go. The God who will never leave your side, who will never disappoint you. You have the desire to be an achiever. You like to check off your lists. And yet, and so every day you wake up and you have a checklist of things to go through and to get done throughout the day. And by the end of the night, what happens? You realize, oh no, my list that started with only five or six things to get done during the day, now is at 16. And so you push it off till tomorrow. Well, the same thing happens tomorrow and the list just never ends And you want to feel like you're an achiever. You want to feel successful in that way. But you can't. Because the list never ends. And so what if that desire is met in Jesus? Jesus who looks down from heaven and says, I've completed all things. I've achieved everything that you could possibly need to to be done. Your perfect record is is my perfect record is yours. And from the cross, what did Jesus say? It is finished. Everything, the checklist to get to heaven has been done for you by Jesus. You look for love, acceptance. uh, And what if we found that all in God? What if instead of trying to be the funny guy or the funny girl at the lunch table? What if instead of looking to see how many likes we can get on Instagram and how many people think our selfie is cute? What if instead of uh, looking to see how many people comment on our family picture that we post on Facebook and, and looking to those things for love, acceptance, and approval, what if we realize that the God of this world looks down from heaven on us and he says, you are my child. I love you. I accept you. You are spotless in my sight through the blood of Jesus. Through Jesus, I have adopted you into my family and I love and I accept you and I approve of you. And his opinion is the only one that matters. What if we found that desire of love, approval, and acceptance in God? What if the desire for security, the desire to amass more wealth, Uh, is found in Jesus. We want more money so we can afford what? A better security system, the safest cars to drive around. Uh, When you have more money, you can afford the better doctors. Uh, When you have more money, you can uh, afford uh, the best things in life to keep your family safe and secure. And yet, what if we found our security 
in Jesus. The security plan that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will live even if they, or whoever lives and believes in me will live. What if that was our security plan? What if we found that desire in God? We want to be healthy. We want to be sound. Uh, and, and what if we realize that Jesus took all of our sin away? The disease of sin has been removed from us. And so we're perfect. We're sound and healthy in God's eyes. And we are going to live forever. All of these desires can go back to God. I want the confidence that my neighbor has to wear that dress. Even that desire can be met in God as we realize that the God of this world has our back. The God of this world looks down and approves on us and loves us. The God of this world has made us, created us, just the way we are. What if every desire that we have is met in God? Because it is. And what if we looked at it that way? Then when we look at the people that have these things that we think we want, we can say, what's the desire? They have that car and I envy it. Why? What's the desire? And we can realize that God's really the desire behind every desire that we have. God, it's not fair. Believe me, we are better off than everyone else because we have Jesus. We have heaven. We have more than we could ever dream of or ever earn or deserve from God. And that is life eternal, forgiveness of sins. And he gives it to us free. What in the world did we deserve to get it? Nothing. And God says, I know. It's not fair. It's grace. So God be with us this week as... Uh, our hearts start to get envious and we start to say, God, it's not fair. We can look around and say, what am I really envying? What's the desire that I really have? And we can realize it's met in God. God meets every desire. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing, nothing I desire besides you. God be with you this week as you do just that, as you desire him above all. Let's pray. Merciful God, uh, you give us so many things that we don't deserve. Everything we have is a gift from you. We pray that uh, as we go through our week that uh, we never love the gifts more than we love the giver. Uh, Even if the gifts are taken away, we pray that we still love you, the giver, uh, more than anything. Because you give us, you do give us more than we could ever imagine. You give us life salvation, forgiveness of sins. You give us a hope of resurrection from the dead and life everlasting. Help us to always love you for who you are, not because of what you give us. As we live in a world of things, uh, we ask that you guard our hearts uh, so that we don't become envious of what we don't have, but realize what we do have. As we do begin to get, uh, as envy starts to come up in our heart, help us to remember that verse. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. You meet every need that we have. Every desire of our heart can be, can and is met in you. And we ask that you send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to lead us and guide us into that so that we may know that 
deeper and, and deeper. We ask you to be with all of us. We thank you for the 4th of July, the independence and the freedom that we have in this country. Uh, we thank you for the men and women who fought bravely in the past and continue to fight bravely uh, today to defend our freedoms. We ask that these freedoms be extended to all and that uh, in this country we continue to be free so that we have the freedom to preach your word, to stand on the gospel, and to continue to uh, conduct our lives like we do. Watch over our country, guide them, direct our leaders, let them lead with humility and love. Continue to let them lead in the best of not just your church people, but your people who don't know you yet so that they can come to know you. Be with us all. Watch over us. Protect us in everything we do. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and it's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We're going to close our uh, service today by singing, By Grace I'm Saved. God bless your week.